this is the panel on food, drink, and cannabis hospitality. I am your moderator, Christina Wong of Fruits and Flower. I am a culinary cannabis enthusiast, an infused baker, a writer, creator, and I spent a decade of my career working in restaurant and food PR with chefs in Los Angeles. And joining me um, on stage is Chef Nikki, Chef Extra Extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> She has cooked for some incredible celebrities, including Dave Chappelle. Her first infused party was no big deal, just 100 people for Snoop Dogg. 250, 250 for Snoop Dogg, no big deal. Uh, she's incredible, we are so happy to have her here joining us on the panel. And of course, Elise McDonough, the OG of uh, infused food and cooking, who literally wrote the book, Bon Appetit, on how to cook and bake and infuse with cannabis, and she's now a brand manager at Bint, but she also uh, was working previously at Canacraft, where she launched the Gem and Jane sparkling beverage brand that is super delicious and one of my favorites. Thank Elise. you. And uh, Luke from Can, the uh, ubiqui now ubiquitous uh, canned infused drinks, is supposed to be joining us via video, but of course, the internet went out, so when he will be joining us, he will join us magically from space. <laughs> So um, I've kind of put together some notes, but you know, we're sitting here at Emerald Cup and this is, we're literally in the Champagne region of what is cannabis, right? The best cannabis in the world is grown here in this region. And I look around at the space and I look, think about food. You know, we had some conversations before this panel and I think about how so much of the edibles and the drinks industry, we're using isolates and distillates. We're not even tasting the flower anymore, right? The question I get asked sometimes is, you know, how do we cover up the bitter taste of flour and I, or bitter taste of cannabis? And I say, what? why would we want to cover that up? It's beautiful. If you love food, you're going to love weed because you taste it, you drink it, just like wine, just like you taste really good food. You inhale, you smell, you taste your cannabis. So uh, teaching people about how to appreciate this, how to savor cannabis. All of us are enthusiasts, but a lot of people are new consumers and they don't know this, and they don't understand this yet. So uh, I like to live in the world where we can use food as a way to describe cannabis and bring more people to experience this plant. Um, so I think about you know fast food weed versus you know handcrafted artisan products, right? I love Taco Bell just as much as I love a really really great Michelin starred restaurant. They're different experiences, and weed and edibles and drinks are like that too. Um, you know the things that I'm excited about are you know there's ice water hash edibles, there's rosin edibles. Like I want to see more of those where I'm tasting the plant instead of just sugar. Um, so I want to focus some of our conversation on that. So Chef Nikki, Elise, you know, thinking about you know should we taste cannabis? Yes or no? And I think Chef Nikki, when we chatted, you gave me a really interesting answer about what you do and why, and I thought that was a really great one. So. So I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 on um, tasting propane, pro, uh, not propane, I don't even know where I get that from. Maybe that, because I told you my, I told you my high was about to kick in in just a second here. Just a second time. <laughs> All right, so I'm on the fence sometimes about tasting terpene profiles. That was the collab of that word, propane. Uh, so tasting uh, terpene profiles in, um, in the food, it just depends on what I'm creating and what I'm making. So oftentimes I like to use things that remove the terpene profile out of uh, the food, meaning like using 
uh, different types of bioavailability products, nanotech products that kind of create this very seamless infusion that's water soluble. And then I like to kind of layer and then add the terpene profiles back in towards the end. Um, with uh, even in some of our experiences, even at the bar, we may use an atomizer to um, like mist the rim of the glass with terpenes, so you get it on the nose. But then when when it hits your palate, it kind of like simmers out and it actually tastes the drink for you know the other flavor profiles that it has in it. So. For me, I, I'm a person that still likes to taste the actual food. And I don't like that to be overpowered just as we smoke. You know, we smell it on our nose and we taste it. So this is a balancing act of adding the terpene profiles back in, but I like to strip them away first and then go back and kind of layer them. And I think, uh, I also forgot to mention that Chef Nikki's also a scientist who studied... Yeah, yeah. I went to the Ohio State University and studied pharmaceutical science. <laughs> so she knows her science and she's a chef and a cook and an artist. So yes. artist, art meets science. But I wanted to bring up the difference too. So when I cook and bake, I'm cooking and baking very low dose, right? I'm making cookies and desserts that are five milligrams per slice. Chef Nikki is infusing at how much per serving? Man, it goes crazy. It could go, <laughs> I mean, it could go very small to very large, um, you know, depending on what I'm making. It, you know, like lipids and sugars, these type of things are carriers, uh, and they make the THC accelerate, you know, in a certain way. So I'm more on the savory side of things because I don't, I believe there's not enough savory items in the space. We're going to um, talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk um, about that. We all are all about this. <laughs> but yeah, so... I think for me it's just a again it it just depends but I I do some pretty high dose things um, um, the high end affair which is my dinner series it it goes pretty high but I'm also balancing you with like one to one two to ones different types of ratios and things like that so I'm playing with your your the chemistry of your body bypassing your liver you know it's it's a thing so I went to school for dosing and yeah. before like real like drugs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Chef Nikki's dosing for Snoop Dogg, and I'm making five milligram dessert. So, like, that's the difference, right? So I, yeah, I, have, I mean, you know, and yeah. that's it. So I, I just, went to, I understand that in a different level. So I'm, I challenge myself to have experiences that are still very palatable and also still very comfortable. So. And I think when you're cooking with cannabis, right, there, it's, it's a I think of it like a spice. It's just another flavor. It's just much, much more interesting with more nuance and variety. And it also can help you make you feel a certain way, uh, right? Just like when you're cooking, you wouldn't pour a pound of oregano into your marinara sauce because that would ruin it, right? If you're doing, but you need a high dose. You're not going to use your, you know, the concentrated oregano oil that you use to feel better to put in your food that it's too strong. So that's why I think breaking it apart and introducing it back in makes sense for what Chef Nikki's doing at these high dose levels, but then for a lot of introductory, right? If you're making introductory products for your consumers who are just dipping their toe in, you know, my, I'm adding a sprinkle of oregano, just the right amount. That makes sense. That can then complement all the flavors. But my next question is, I think, when we were talking about this, Elise said a really great quote, and she said, you know, these, all these different ways to infuse are like an artist's palette, like a painter's palette. And you pick and you choose how you would infuse your things. So Elise, um, how do we elevate beyond just candy and sugar in this edible space? Because that's what we see a lot of, and I think 
you know, there's a lot of new exciting products coming out, but as somebody who wrote the Bonnet Petite Cookbook and works with many brands and different things, how do we elevate beyond just sugar and gummies and chocolates? That's something I love to talk about because in the pre-regulated era, you saw so much more creativity in the edibles that were in the marketplace, a lot of different options, and it's been whittled down now to these very few shelf-stable form factors of gummies, chocolates, mints, um, things that have a long shelf life and that can be packaged as consumer packaged goods. So now there's this huge divergence in the space. And so I think going beyond that, I love seeing uh, basic infused ingredients out there, like things like infused olive oils, salad dressings, things that encourage the home cook to experiment with adding a, a known dose to a dish that you're working with and, and being able to tailor it to your own personal preferences, um, dietary restrictions, you know, just being able to add it to your lifestyle in a healthy way so that it's not always about eating a dessert or eating like a packaged edible. Um, but yeah, I think that going back to the previous question of talking about the flavor of cannabis flour, there's some dishes where that's appropriate and that works. Uh, I think on the savory side of things, or if you're making a dish that has a lot of other herbs in it, something like pesto or chimichurri, the cannabis flour can really work in there. Um, when I cook dessert, when I make baked desserts, I like to work with ice water hash because I feel like it just has a much, a really nice earthy flavor. It works really well with certain uh, dessert profiles like caramel or pecan pie, chocolates. Um, it's just an, a natural fit. So I think it's about finding that fit for yourself and tailoring the, the cannabis, you know, the cannabis food to, to your personal needs. And I, that's what I love about cannabis, it's just so versatile as an ingredient. Yeah, and I think that's what I find interesting too, right? You talk about how much you love ice, using ice water hash in your edibles, and those are some of the edibles on the market right now that I'm personally the most excited about. Like the ice water hash edibles, uh, made with rosin, because you really taste the plant. And it's almost opposite of using an isolate distillate. Right? When you use an isolate distillate, you're trying to put as much sugar in to cover and mask a flavor. But when you're using an ice water hash and a rosin, you're really trying to complement it. And when I'm cooking and baking, I like to use cannabis actually to cut down on the sweetness because I don't want sweet that as much. It has to be balanced. And I add in cannabis to bring in earthiness and baked goods. And I don't know, I'd really love to encourage the industry to look at these whole plant and work with ice water hash and part of it is also we need to educate our consumers because they don't know what ice water hash is and why they should buy it right it sounds scary so first like what is ice water hash and why is it delicious um my high is kicking in from the papa select ice water hash gummy garlic cookies i had earlier and it is feeling so good so woo, okay so chef nikki also mentioned something I'm kind of on the opposite end of this, and I think it's important to talk about too because it's exciting for different reasons. You said the word nanotechnology. So uh, nanotech. So why don't you tell? Can you tell us like what is nanotechnology, and how? Why is that interesting for cannabis and edibles and drinks, and how does that fast onset time work with when you're cooking and making food? Yeah. So for me, I'm always thinking about onset. Um, and I'm thinking about when I'm taking, you know, a group of people through an experience, I only have you for so long. Um, usually I have you for about four or five hours. Uh, but if I can start your experience a little bit sooner, 
you know what I mean, versus us just looking at each other for the first 45 minutes to an hour, and you're like, shit, is it going to kick <laughs> And I'm over here, I'm like, all this entertainment, I have so much for you to do, but I'm like, any day now. So, but in the kitchen, I have to keep a timer, and I have to keep, we have to keep time. I mean, my sous chef's right here, so she helps me keep time in the kitchen, and we have to go through this experience properly. So, for me, when it comes to nanotech, I'm, I'm, we're talking about um, literally bypassing your liver and just going straight to your bloodstream, right? So that's going to hit you a little bit faster. Um, and so when we're thinking about like balancing that act of your body chemistry and we're doing one-to-ones with different isolates and different other sort of powders, I remember... <laughs> One time, one of my chefs was just like, so we're putting Coke in food? Is that what we're doing? I was like, that's not Coke, that's not Coke. It's like, <laughs> you, see a, you see a big ass like, jar of just white powder, and they're like, well, <laughs> this, is a whole, this is a whole other experience of um, a high-end affair. So, um, but a part of that is, uh, again, like I said, just increasing, like decreasing the time so um, you'll have a more, like a more balanced experience because at the flip side, anytime you drink a cocktail or a mocktail or anything like that, I'm putting CBD uh, isolate in there or another full spec or something full spectrum in there. So, um, but yeah, so that's for me. Did I explain that right? All right, cool. Yeah, let, let Elise answer too. But yeah, that is important for, for my line of work is being able to get you the experience and the water solubility. Is that, cause that's, the, that's the other part. Half the shit I can't do if it leaves an oily residue on it. It's not refined. It's not finished. You know, we go anywhere from fine dining, very, like, beautiful plated dishes to, like, fun, crafty things, playful things. And I need the flexibility because I'm a chef before I'm a cannabis chef. So that's the difference between sometimes people who get into the industry they come in and they go cannabis first and they don't understand what it means to actually be a chef or a confectioner or a pastry chef and things like that. So, yeah. I think, right, like in order to, you know, to appreciate all the parts of that job, you have to, you know, to be a cannabis chef is an extra level, right? You have to understand how hard it is to grow this plant. I, I just smoked my first batch of flour that I grew. It was really shitty. I appreciate all of you very much. I suck <laughs> at growing this. Um, <laughs> but I think you know, with I think it's important with to have nanotechnology because it needs to be sessionable, right? In order for again consumers to really buy into this cannabis beverage thing and use it as a replacement for alcohol or drinks as a social elixir, it needs to be sessionable and like, take effect right away. And you then you will swap that drink. But at least, what are your thoughts on nanotechnology? Since you did launch a beverage that has that, you've worked in the space and. I know you've talked a lot about it. Yeah, I worked, when I was at Canacraft, I worked on uh, Lagunitas Hi-Fi Hops, and I also launched a beverage called Gem and Jane that was a microdose uh, fruity seltzer that um, used some rare cannabinoids like THCV and Delta-8 THC, and that was a really interesting brand and a fun project to work on. And so nanotechnology is something that has only been available to us in the, in the new era of, of cannabis ingestibles. So that was just something that was not available to play around with, you know, back in the day when we're, you know, infusing 
you know, can of butter, making can of butter and making brownies and stuff. So there's this whole new uh, realm of technology. And so basically, those, that nanotechnology enables the cannabinoids to be broken down into super small molecules so that your body can more easily absorb it and have a faster onset time, which enables things like uh, cannabis cocktails that hit you within a couple minutes. And it's just a different way to like layer the effects and like then later you can build on them with the infused food. Um, so the drinks are a new thing on the scene that a lot of people are skeptical about because it's such a small segment of the market right now. And I think that we really need more consumption spaces to be able to fully realize the potential of cannabis drinks. And once we're out there in the world and you can have like a parallel bar scene where instead of uh, everything revolving around alcohol, you can go to a, a really cool club and it's all cannabis food and drinks. Like that's gonna be the world that we're gonna enjoy in the next, you know, that's hopefully five to 10 years. There are some experiences like that now. Yeah, yeah. like you could go to Mo Green's in San Francisco and like hang out in the lounge and have a beverage and have a smoke and it's all, you know, very civilized. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the drinks and I love working with uh, new innovations, including, um, yeah, things like uh, rare cannabinoids are getting out there more often. And I highly recommend if you come across anything that's got THCV, check that out and try it for yourself. It's very, very interesting. And what does THCV do? THCV has a lot of buzz around it because it's supposedly the anti-munchy cannabinoid. Um, it works on your endocannabinoid system uh, as in, it doesn't encourage your appetite, it suppresses it. And it's one of the few things in nature, in the world, that's known to have that effect. Um, so the THCV, while you can't scientifically substantiate that w it will reduce your appetite, anecdotally, you can experience those effects for yourself. And I know for some people it's a big concern about, oh, I'm getting the munchies, you know. I don't want to be snacking every five minutes. <laughs> but now that you talk about munchies and my high is kicking in, munchies was my favorite part of being high, you guys. Okay, quick question diversion from like the seriousness. Okay, Elise, what is your favorite munchie food? What's your go-to? Oh man, I love making different permutations of nachos, like just based on whatever's in my house. Like it could be sweet potato chips and goat cheese. It could, you know, whatever cheese, whatever chips, whatever you got kicking around making some interesting nachos. Chef Nikki, what's your go-to munchie food? Oh, man. What are you making for yourself when you're a chef and you're high off your ass? <laughs> yeah, I'm usually hitting Uber Eats, but... <laughs> um, oh, man. Okay, so nachos is going, but I like to make soups, and I like to make broths, and I like to make noodles yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have a thing about, like, and ramen and then like mixing flavors of like other cultures into that like, nice hot drink yeah. right <laughs> yeah. now on a cold day damn that's what I want to eat so, yeah, Hell yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of my thing unless but I'm always known for my mac and cheese everybody calls it mac and cheese but yeah oh, that's good you know what I saw on I think it was at either hop somewhere else on shelf they're selling infused bone broth a bunch of Gwyneth Paltrow white people were like, I'm going to sell bone broth. Now, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't trend. talk about Gwyneth Paltrow doing it, but I fuck with it in general. Like, I'm like, if you bone broth, I'm like, I mean, look, it's really good. I'm super into it. But it became this weird trendy thing that you buy and drink. I'm like, isn't that just stock? I don't understand. It's like a, it's like a goop thing. I don't know. That's just what I make fun of them. I make fun of a bunch of white people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm all for, I'm all for like, like putting out products that are what you don't expect. 
to the MCU. And so that was my point. Um, I love that there's an infused bone broth. I love the savory chips and the snacks that I'm seeing. I love the savory strains. Uh, right, like there's so many interesting things. I was just pitching uh, the guy at 710 Labs because I was really high and I rolled a noodle doink. I used a, a, a fusilli pasta to roll a joint and I smoked it and I was like, holy shit, we should be making pasta joints. I need a grower who's growing something that's like a, I need a cheesy strain, right? I'm super into cheesy strains, so give me a cheesy strain, give me something with caryophylline and some peppery in it, mix it, and you've got cacio-y pepe joints. Okay, you get something oh, with some basil, you get some GMO, you mix some stuff. I don't know if there's something that's a tomato flavor. Somebody can grow it. Somebody's a genius in this room. And then we can make pizza joints. Would you smoke a pizza joint? I would. We just have to market in the right way. And so, right, we talk about, I mean, there's so much fun with food, and we're just not even exploring it because all we're seeing are gummies. Come on. This is, right, like, this is fun, and I think this is a fun part of food, and that brings us into hospitality, um, right? I think, oh, let's talk about this. What, what savory, strange, snack things are you guys seeing that you're really excited about? Something that's different since we're on the savory topic. Snacks? I mean, I like the shrimp chips that are out. Oh, those are good. Those are from Potley. Those are fantastic. So, um, I literally, like, I'm, I'm going to be hard-pressed to give you an answer on that one. I've seen some good savory brands like come and go in the space. Uh, for a while, Yummy Karma was making uh, chips and stuff, and now there's a new brand called Sumo Snacks that's making chips and like snacky things like Cheeto type, you know, cheese poofs and stuff like that. Um, I love the sauces. I love the Potley sauces, the sriracha, and then there's another brand out there called uh, Two Fly, and they're making little packets of infused ketchup and peanut butter. Oh, I yeah, I saw brilliant. them in Hall of Flowers. Yeah. Jam, they have grape jelly, ketchup, mm -hmm. all that stuff, yeah. Shout out my balloon, right? Yeah, yeah. Shout out my friend Tess, who owns Saucy. She Woo! makes infused uh, barbecue sauce and, like, marinades. So freaking good. Yeah. What else? There's so many things we could make. There's so many, like, endless. Yeah. There's, so, there's so many things. I, I make my own things. That's why I don't, like, couldn't give you the brand. Yeah. In the sense, because I but make what the things that I want to see. You know what I just made that was the shit? It wasn't savory, but it was really kind of. So I did this project for Student Glass and for Saucy, and I made a barbecue sauce whiskey caramel to go over goat cheese ice cream that was served with a smoked apple pie made with whiskey caramel. So, right, like it's kind of mixing, and that whole thing was infused with blackjack, right? So blackjack is a strain that's got like vanilla-y, caramel-y, earthy pine notes to it. So all that mixed with all that with the savory and the sweet and the, mm, it's my favorite thing in the world. Damn. Okay, I, I'm, I'm high in thinking about food. Okay, my favorite munchy food is uh, ice-cold crunchy grapes. No. All right. So what do you guys think about strain-specific marketing? Like, that's something, right? I love it. I, I'm looking for it. But Jackie Bryant, who's a journalist, and she wrote an article for Leafly, and she questioned, you know, is strain-specific marketing for real, or is it bullshit? Can it be? Is it? I have opinions. Yes. <laughs> Tell me your opinions. I talked to her about that article, too. We're friends. Um, I love Jackie. But I think that strain-specific and effects-based are kind of two different things. Because there's several different ways to achieve effects-based formulations that actually really work. Um, 
You could combine them with other botanicals, other herbs to elicit specific effects or for certain moods, such as lavender for sleep, you know, stuff like that. Or you can use designer blends of different cannabinoids in different proportions with, uh, combined with terpenes to uh, you know, elicit a certain effect or complement a certain mood, but you really have to focus group that stuff because it's vastly different for everyone. You, know, you have to do your testing, you have to do your due diligence to see how it's gonna affect people. Um, when I was at Canicraft, they did a project called Care by Design Effects, and it's, um, it's some of the best work on that that I've ever seen as far as like really crafting a specific mood or effect. So I think there's that, and then I think there's like edibles that are labeled with sativa or indica or like a certain strain, and that by the time you digest that, you know, it may or may not affect you differently. But I think what people really also need to understand is that like for brands, you get a lot of pressure from the retailers to label it as indica, sativa, or hybrid even though there's a growing consensus that that's a pretty much like a bullshit way to, you know, discuss this stuff. It doesn't really have anything to do with the certain effect that you're gonna feel. Like sativas might not always make everyone feel energized and indicas might not always make everyone feel couch locked. There's just much more nuance to it than that. Yeah, and I think that nuance, right, like for me as like an artist, as a chef cooking, that's the fun part. Because first you have flavor, but now I get to affect how you feel. And now we can make a dish that makes you feel a certain way. Like, do, do, does it make you feel like a god? Because that's what it kind of makes me feel like. <laughs> I mean, I don't, well, listen, I carry the energy of all of my guests on my shoulders when they're in that experience. So, um, I mean, because for me, I work clearly off of like culinary and science and molecular gastronomy. Like we work in that space. But for me, the energy of like when people are on um, like consuming plant medicine, they do emit energy. You know what I mean? Whether it's a release or whether it's you know something that you know it's a little journey. So I literally sit there and absorb that <laughs> until you go home because it's my responsibility to make sure you're safe and comfortable because I know I'm taking you on a higher journey than you usually are used to doing that by yourself. You know what I mean? So, um, yes, to answer your question, I feel like more like a fairy than a god. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sorry, clearly I have a power issue. Um, uh, but, you know, so what Chef Nikki, what you just said, um, to me, as a sh that is the heart of hospitality, right? You are taking on the energy the place, the space. Oh, hey Luke, what's up? Welcome. Hey everybody. <laughs> Let me finish my thought and I'll say hi and we'll introduce uh, Luke. But you know what Chef Nikki is saying, that's the heart of hospitality, right? And I'm gonna shift into a, a conversation about canvas hospitality and events. And you know, as a chef who hosts these private events and dinners, what that feels like and bringing that hospitality in, bringing people together over good food, good wine, good drink, that's what changes and makes policy. And I'm gonna ask Chef Nikki to tell you about her recent thing where I think cool things happened and why that happened. Uh, but hospitality is what brings us all in. That's what makes you feel welcome. That's what makes this industry and this community great. But uh, Luke, thank you for joining us so much. We uh, kind of talked about beverages, drinks, and nanotechnology. Um, but what I love about Luke and Can is that 
Their low-dose beverages are everywhere. Every party I go to, every event, their drinks are somewhere and everybody's drinking them because they're about like two, three milligrams per drink. Um, there's also the high boys that are a little bit more. And it's the alcohol replacer. And then they came out with this product called Unspiked, which is like a sparkling drink, but it's available to reach consumers so that they can then recognize their brand and we bring more people into the fold because now they are curious about trying this product and they learn about cannabis and I think a product like can is really important for that. So Luke, I'll let you have the stage and say anything you want to say since we've been gabbing along here without you. Oh, so I'm so bummed I missed the beginning tech issues that happens. Um, but uh, a big fan uh, of Chef Nikki, big fan of the Binsky brand and um, to be here. Uh, I would love to just say that can, uh, despite being probably the most basic product for anybody in the cannabis industry out there, it's you know, two milligrams, we, we don't do strain-specific marketing, we don't talk about terpenes. Um, while it feels like it's running counter to what I think the traditional industry is, is looking at, um, we see ourselves as a gateway into cannabis for someone who is overwhelmed or confused or afraid of getting too high. And we take things from uh, high-end hospitality and we formulate our products with, with best-in-class ingredients to try and get someone on board with cannabis who maybe drinks too much alcohol or is waiting for the right place to start by giving them a really uh, a, a non-overwhelming experience. And, and so one of the things that, that we really like about CAN is, is that it takes someone who previously would be fighting against cannabis and it gives them the first-hand experience of enjoying plants and, and enjoying it from a culinary perspective uh, so that as they become more comfortable, they can level up to more complex and, and richer cannabis formulations um, and higher dosage. And also what I love about CAN, so my fr I have friends who are huge fans and they're, they just order it online and have it delivered to their house, like a subscription is how much they love CAN. And I think that the fact that you're able to actually leverage technology to do an e-com service and your partners to make all that happen, that's incredible. Think about that. I mean, we can already get weed delivered to our house, but he's, it, it, they're telling me about it like it's a subscription service that they get. How cool is that? Yeah, it's, the vast majority of people who are not yet in the cannabis industry, they A, don't know how to purchase cannabis, and, and B, are nervous to go to a dispensary. And obviously the future is when it gets seamlessly integrated with alcoholic beverages and a hospitality environment, but we're years away from regulations allowing for that. And in the meantime, we try to make it as easy for people to just have it stocked at their in-home bar as they would any alcoholic beverage and, and use it almost interchangeably. Sometimes people even mix it with alcohol and you know, even though I'm not allowed to say that's okay, it's, uh, it's a nice anything. cross fade. I'm a fan. Also, happy 420, y'all. Alright, don't light up because we can't light up in here, but if you got a if you got a vape, go do that. <laughs> Alright, I want to talk about hospitality for a bit because um, you know, I know I got a couple chef friends here. Um, shout out to Big Bad Wolf and the Hawaiian Alchemist, Chef Topher. Um, I know you guys throw events, you know. What does that feel like? You're you're creating a space and there's so many legalities and gray areas that come with that. You're right, you're 
how do we navigate that? And what does that feel like? And Chef Nikki, I love what you told me about how when you bring people together, powerful people together over a really great food and drink moment, they start talking and they can, things can change and they get shit done. So please tell me about that. And how do we get shit done over food and weed? Um, all right, well, it's, there's a lot of planning involved. <laughs> okay. Uh, so years ago when I started the High in the Fair, I started it because I wanted to be able to bring in um, creators, uh, cannabis professionals, uh, celebrities, athletes, uh, legislators, like all of these people in the same space. Um, and so what I created was a space where everyone can comfortably let their hair down and be themselves. Um, so when you are invited to attend, of course you sign an NDA um, and we don't allow phones because I would like for everyone to be in that moment. Um, but what you're doing energetically and when people are eating and when people are consuming cannabis and in different forms, combustible, ingestibles, all these things, there becomes a level where they release their guard. <laughs> Okay, because we're all gatekeepers of our own shit, right? And so we never want anyone to, um, we have ideas, we have IP, we have all these things. And we're so excited to be here. <laughs> we're excited to be in this budding space, in this industry space. But we need to be able to trust each other, right? So I created that environment. I took what I do in the celebrity space. Um, I worked for Dave Chappelle for some years. I toured with DJ Khaled, with Rock Nation, worked for a lot of different rappers. So I took that experience and that level of exclusivity and brought it here to the cannabis space. And so, because a lot of people knew me from there, they were like, yeah, I'll fuck with Chef Nikki, whatever she does, because I know it's gonna be nice, <laughs> right? So, with no idea that they were getting connected to, um, hey, I have an investment. I would like to make an investment in a brand. Which one should I? Hey, they're all here actually. Boom, go talk to them. Hey, I'm trying to get social equity license, all this stuff. Hey, city council, here's your state rep. Boom, go talk to them. So I was putting all these folks in the same room and I was realizing how much progress was being made over food and over cannabis. So yeah, so it's something that's just simple as that. But all in all, I did get a little, like when I go to other events, I have these moments where I'm like, yeah, this is whack. I'm gonna be honest with you, but but I mean it, not this one, but other things. <laughs> but I mean that in a way, like, because there's no purpose, there's no purpose-driven energy. And so I'm getting people to understand that you have to bring a certain level of respect to the space in order to be respected and be understood, you know, and, and that, like, not everything has to feel like sesh. And not everything has to be half-assed. Not everything has to be an eight-foot table and a tablecloth. Like, bring some class to it. And then when you get that, you will elevate the experience and the you, people. You know what Chef Nikki said to me? She said, no more trash-ass parties. I did. <laughs> I did. I said, no more trash-ass parties. I mean, and that's real shit because we pay good money for things. And I hate paying good money for things and getting less. You feel me? So I'm going to give you the max experience possible. And then you're going to walk away with more weed than you ever expected. Like, yeah, I mean, it just is what it is. So, like, I literally try to leave no stone unturned. 
If you're a dabber, cool. I got all your best shit right here. Go experience that. If you're into other things, go experience that. And so, and I also try to not make the space when I, my events like hypersexualized. Unfortunately, we see a lot of that. And I like want everyone to just be and have like real nice experiences. So that's that. And when you have a nice experience, people have nice things. Like it, you create things, you know, in the spaces that I'm at, I'm mostly just hanging out with people, we're eating and then we're talking business and then cool things happen and it's incredible. And what kills me is that there's no public space that this can really happen in, right? Um, we've been doing these lounges and these cafes. There's social clubs. There's uh, the Astro Club in New York. Super fun, super fucking cool. Why aren't there more of them? It's again. I have Astro Club. Those are my homies. Le like you know, club. legal gray areas, and um, I want them to exist because when you get really smart stoners in a room together to do cool things and start talking to each other, like. It's incredible, and like this energy can be facilitated by food, and we can bring more people into the fold and experience the magic of this planet. Yeah, I mean, it's like that, and mind you, this is not a lightweight feat. I also want to remind people that, like, hey, I do cannabis centers, X, Y, and Z, but it is not a lightweight feat to go from state to state to state to state. Like, essentially, I'm on a tour of food, and I'm operating in every recreational market. I have supporters like Weed Maps and some other brands, packs that help me nationally, but you have to change the way you think every state. And I have to acquire sponsorships and brands in every state that are different. And so when you think about how large that can get, and there's only 13 states that there's no cannabis law. So, and then we're also doing things in South Africa right now. We're doing things in Malta in Uruguay and like different countries. So it's a very large thing to think about, but I'm willing to just pave the way so the rest of y'all can be good. <laughs> Chef Nuki's the coolest person I have ever met. Like, I, I mean, everyone sitting here is really the coolest person I've ever met. I'm like, what is going on? Luke, <laughs> Luke is there anything you want to talk about? We've had, I mean, we're kind of, I know you're here and I, I want everyone, let's open up to Q&A. Right? You guys, let's ask Luke some questions. He has so much knowledge and he's so passionate about this industry. So, all right, Q&A mic is over here. If anybody wants to come, ask anyone on this wonderful panel, Elise, who is now the national brand manager at Binsk. So you're getting some crazy MSO operator knowledge too. So wealth of knowledge here. Um, okay, I'm slightly embarrassed to say this, but I heard you say that you ship these drinks out to people. You can buy this stuff online? So you can buy, we have a direct consumer in California that serves 80% of the state. So you can get same day delivery in California via our partners at Grassdoor, but it looks like it's coming directly from shop.drinkthecan.com. For, for us, 80% of our consumers can is the first cannabis product they've ever tried. And so we have to try and make it seem like we, like sometimes they, as wrong as it is, they'll see flour and they will get nervous. And so when it's in a retail assortment, even if digital with other cannabis products that remind them of 